The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that had, they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages, and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy two hundred denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. Jesus, you remember, had uh, sent out his 12 uh, disciples. He had sent out the 12 to go to the lost house or to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he sent them out, it tells us in Mark's gospel, to call the people to repent. That is, he was calling the people to turn back to God. And he was uh, sending them out, as Matthew's gospel tells us, to tell them that the kingdom of God is at hand. And so the 12 are really going out spreading the ministry of the Lord Jesus. They are announcing that the king has come. And now the people are to turn to the Lord that they might be received in favor. And as they went out, they did many things and they taught many things. And when they came back to Jesus, it tells us there uh, that when they came to Jesus, they told him all that they had done and all that they had taught. They had done many things. And back in verse 14, it tells us they had cast out many demons and they had anointed many with oil and they had healed them. This would have been uh, an extremely exciting uh, time for the disciples. Uh, you can imagine the wave of excitement in seeing so many people being healed, uh, in seeing a transformation taking place as a result of their ministry. And not only on the account of what they were doing, the healings, but as they told the people about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, about the need to be turned back to God for mercy, they're seeing a great change taking place in people's lives. And so as they come back to Jesus, they're excitedly telling them all that has been taking place. But we're told that they were so busy uh, with this mission that they didn't even have the opportunity to sit down and to enjoy a meal. They were coming and going as a result of this task. And it was really one that was setting up a dynamic that was not sustainable. Uh, they were going to burn themselves out. 
because they were so preoccupied uh, with making known the message of Jesus. But you notice that Jesus here has an eye to caring for his disciples. It's not just about getting the mission accomplished. It's not just about getting the message out or bringing healing to these people that Jesus is interested in. He's concerned about his disciples. And because they have not had the opportunity for the leisure of eating, uh, Jesus tells them it's time that they come away. It's time that they come to a desolate place so that they can have rest. And there's some wisdom in there, isn't there? That Jesus recognizes when they have crossed a boundary that they cannot sustain. That over the long term, this is going to lead them ultimately to a burnout. And this is going to lead them into nowhere's good. And so Jesus intervenes to say it's time to come for a rest. And so he escorts, he instructs the disciples to come away with him to a desolate place. But this is something that not only happens to the disciples, this is something that any one of us uh, can begin to slip into. The Lord puts callings on our lives where we're to serve the Lord in a particular way. And when the Lord puts that calling upon us, we can become so absorbed in that work that we neglect our own selves as a result. You think, for instance, of children uh, who are seeking to honor the fifth commandment. And in honoring the fifth commandment, they know that it is their responsibility uh, to care for their aging parents. And sometimes uh, when uh, elderly parents are unwell, it can put a great strain on the family to care for them. And a, a child that is trying to honor the Lord, doing the Lord's will in the calling that is placed upon them, can become so absorbed in that work that they begin to neglect themselves as a result. And it can lead to a burnout if they are not uh, watching their, their own selves. Or you think about a, a parent who is trying to fulfill the Lord's calling that has been placed on them to provide for their children, to provide for their family. And so they are busy at work. But in being busy at work, they might neglect their calling of leading spiritually their family. They're so preoccupied on making ends meet that there is no consideration for things like family worship or of leading their family in the faith. And you can think of other examples where we become so absorbed that God has put this calling on me and I need to do this work. It is a good work to do it. But as a result, we begin to neglect things like prayer or we might neglect things uh, of worship. Uh, we're not able to get out to church uh, like we once did because we're distracted with something else. And here we see Jesus' care on the disciples and saying that you're doing a good work, but we need to be able to find times of rest too because we are still creatures and we need to realize there's limitations on what we can accomplish. And so Jesus here calls the disciples to come away for a time of rest. And it says there that they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Uh, they may have uh, gone along or traveled along uh, close to the shore. Uh, but however it is, the people recognize them as they're traveling. And as they recognize them, they accompanied them or they went ahead of them uh, to where they were going to find a, a quiet place to come ashore. And when Jesus came ashore, it tells us uh, in verse 34 that when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them. 
And this morning we want to zero in on that idea of the compassion of Christ in the feeding of the 5,000. And what we want to see is that because Jesus gives us what we need for life, we are to receive of his provisions in faith. And we just want to look at this, this miracle that Jesus performed, the feeding of the 5,000 men, uh, by looking at the compassion of Christ and then the contentment in Christ. But we want to really zero in on this first thought of the compassion of Christ uh, 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 this morning. So first we want to look at that idea of the compassion. And it says there in verse 34 that when he came ashore, he saw the great crowd and he had compassion on them. When scripture speaks about compassion, it's the idea of an inward stirring uh, based on what is happening. Uh, it is an inward effect based on what one sees outwardly happening around them. And so it is to be stirred or moved inwardly because one identifies with and engages with the situation at hand. It is not to be detached but rather to be attached to the situation. And to have compassion on someone is to, to, to take pity on them by identifying with their situation. And it says here that Jesus took compassion on the crowds and it tells us why he took compassion on them. Why did he have pity on these crowds? It's because they were like sheep that were without a shepherd. Now, you young people, you know uh, what uh, sheep are, and you know why the Bible talks about us as being like sheep. Sheep are very vulnerable creatures. Uh, they're not very good at defending themselves against predators. They're a vulnerable creature uh, to any form of attack. But more than that, sheep are not only characterized by their vulnerability, they're also characterized by their senselessness. Because sheep have a way of wandering. Uh, they have a way of aimlessly going astray and uh, of even getting themselves into, uh, into trouble or into danger. You think about how a sheep can even get uh, turned over and be unable to get themselves back on their feet. Uh, they get themselves into trouble and they can't get themselves out of that trouble. And scripture describes us as being like sheep. We're, we're vulnerable but we're also at times very senseless. We do things that don't make a lot of sense and we can wander away from God. And that's what scripture says we've done. That by nature, we are those who have wandered away uh, from the Lord. The Lord in his kindness provided shepherds for his people. We read of that even in the Old Testament, how the Lord provided and appointed leaders over his people Israel. And that's what a shepherd really is. When it's talking about a shepherd, a shepherd is a leader who is meant to guide the people and to protect the people according to God's will. And so these shepherds that God appoints are meant to protect the people of God from the dangers of sin, from their wandering into sin, and by the temptations to go that way, and of protecting them from the pressures outside of them. So we are like sheep that are easily led astray, both by inward impulses, but also by outward pressures. And God in his kindness provides leaders to care for his people, to protect them from the dangers of sin and temptation. 
But as we were reading there in Ezekiel, it highlighted that not all shepherds have been faithful. That in Ezekiel's time, they were actually the opposite of faithful because they did not feed the sheep, because they did not search out the sheep when they went astray, because they did not protect the sheep. And so the Lord was actually rebuking the leaders of Israel. It says there in Ezekiel 34, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched out for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore you shepherds hear the word of the Lord. I am against the shepherds, and I will, I will hold them to an account for what they have done to my sheep. Since there was no shepherd, although there were leaders, there was actually a void being created, a gap that the sheep weren't being cared for. They weren't being shepherded. And so the Lord rebuked the leaders for not caring for his sheep. Even when you come to the New Testament times, you see the same dynamic where there are leaders. There's lots of leaders over the people of Israel, but they're not shepherding them because they're not leading them back to God. They're not leading the people to seek God's mercy. Instead, the leaders are emphasizing the traditions of men. They're emphasizing their ways and their rules and their standards, but they're not teaching them what to do when you have failed to uphold God's standards. And so they're not actually shepherding them. They're not actually leading them back to God. And in the same way, Jesus has to confront the shepherds in his own time. So scripture describes us like sheep. You think of Isaiah's words, we are all like sheep who have gone astray. We have wandered in our own paths, curiously wondering what life would be like living like this, curiously wondering what, what might satisfy me if I pursue this aim. But all the while we are turning away from what scripture paints as the green pastures, the ideal state of living in communion with God. Instead of knowing and living under his ways, we are drifting aimlessly according to our inward impulses, according to how everyone around us might be living, but not stopping and reflecting, how should I be living? What should be guiding me in my way? You see, scripture says that we are all sheep. We are all being led. But if we're not living according to the voice of our shepherd, the Lord, then we're being led by something else. We're being led by what is deceiving us. We're being led by something that ultimately will prove to be in vain and ultimately based on a lie. And it'll bring us away from the green pastures into dangerous territory where we're exposed and in danger. And so Jesus, why does he have compassion on these people as he comes ashore? He looks at this great crowd of people, but he has compassion on them. He's moved inwardly by what he sees outwardly. He sees a people who are wandering through life with no one leading them to God and his mercy. He sees a people who are wandering through this life curiously living for their impulses, but not knowing the way back to God. And so there is this sense of darkness. There's a sense of lack of understanding that provokes compassion in Jesus as he looks around at the people that he sees. Now, if you're sitting here this morning as a professing Christian, 
that same characteristic should exemplify itself in the way that you live your life. That when you are interacting with someone and they say to you, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God. I don't have any need for that hypothesis. Rather than feeling intimidated, rather than feeling awkward, or rather than feeling like you're being attacked, a Christian should actually be marked by compassion. Because here's a person who is denying the care of God. Here is a person who is living their life wandering from the truth and living dangerously exposed to the judgment of God. It shouldn't make a Christian feel uncomfortable when someone says they're an atheist in the sense that they're intimidated. It should make them think this person is in need of God's care. And it should provoke compassion in their hearts. So when we meet with a Muslim and a Muslim says, I don't believe in the Lord Jesus, I follow my standards and I believe that as I do what is right, I will in the scales of eternal balances, I will turn out to be saved. That should provoke our compassion. When we meet with someone that goes to the Baha'i faith and they tell us that they simply boil all the world religions down to one and we just try to live according to what unifies us all, that should bring compassion because they're living in deception, because they're not actually led by the shepherd's voice but by their own inward intuitions. Jesus here looks at people that are living in darkness and has compassion on them because they don't have a leader. They don't have a shepherd to lead them to God. They don't have a leader that will bring them to the green pastures because they're estranged from the truth and they need to know the way of God's grace. And so Jesus here uh, shows his compassion on them. But he doesn't just... Uh, it doesn't just tell us why he's compassionate here. It tells us how he's compassionate. If you go back and you read the verse, it says, When he came ashore, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. You see, it's not enough to think about compassion just as uh, an inward feeling. It's not just uh, an inward stirring to say, that's not the way it should be. But it's an inward reaction, an inward stirring that leads to an action flowing out from it. And Jesus' compassion here is shown in what he does based on the situation. He has compassion on them and his compassion flows out into teaching. He began to teach as many who would listen to him. He began to tell them many things about the kingdom of God. Because they needed to hear this. What they most need is the truth of God's word. And so he speaks into their situation because he cares. He speaks the truth because he's concerned about them. And he's, a, he's willing to declare God's word so that God's grace will be made known. Again, that's, that's how compassion is shown. People might look at compassion in different ways. Uh, today. People might think of compassion as being passive or of not interfering, not getting in the way, letting people do whatever they want to do. But that's not compassion. Compassion is one that identifies with one's situation and wants to lead them in the right way. It wants to direct them to God ultimately. And so Jesus here is one who declares the truth because he's having compassion on them. And if we're to have compassion, we will open our, sh our mouths with those with whom we rub shoulders with. So 
He has compassion, and his compassion is shown here in speaking the truth. It is in teaching them many things about the kingdom of God. But he also shows his compassion in the miracle itself. In verses 35 and following, it says, When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, It is now getting late. Uh, It's time to send them off so that they can go to a nearby village and get some food. The disciples might have thought that this is actually the most compassionate thing to do. Uh, Let's let them go get some food. But Jesus wants his disciples to identify with their needs and not simply to dismiss their needs. He wants them to enter into their needs and to engage with it. And so he says, you give them something to eat. And you notice how the disciples respond. They say, are we to go and buy enough food that would cost 200 denarii to feed these people? A denarii was a a day's wage. So you're talking about more than half a year's or more than half a year's salary is what the disciples are saying. This is a big investment that you're talking about here to feed 5,000 men, grown men. Is that what you're really proposing that we do with this need? That we should have to take on this ourselves? And Jesus says, well, go and find what is there. And they come back saying, we found a couple fish and five loaves of bread. And Jesus tells them to all gather in their groups. And then Jesus tells us, uh, offers a blessing. And when he offers that blessing, what is striking about it is is that it expresses Jesus' complete confidence in his father's ability to provide for their needs. Jesus expects the miracle. And so he prays to the father with that understanding, knowing that it is the father's provision to care for us according to our needs. Again, you go back to Ezekiel. What does it say in Ezekiel 34? It calls to account the false shepherds that the Lord says you are no real shepherds. But then it goes on. And the Lord himself declares, I will feed them on the mountains and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in the good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. You see, Jesus knew his Old Testament and he knew that this is the character of God. It is to care for his people. It is that God himself would be the shepherd of his sheep. And Jesus here is expressing that care of God in being the good shepherd. The Lord's compassion on feeding these people is shown through the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's showing us the love of God. The compassion of Christ then is shown in providing for the people according to their needs. But our needs as sheep are not only physical. Our view of what we are as humans shapes this whole miracle. We are not simply physical material. We are body and soul. We are psychosomatic beings. We have a body and we have a soul. And our needs are not merely bodily. Our needs are also spiritual. And the purpose behind this miracle is to show that Jesus provides what we stand in need of. He fed them and filled their stomachs. But the miracle is intended to show forth the compassion of God to address all our needs, 
to provide all that we need to stand for life. And as sheep who have gone astray and have led ourselves into sin, what we need of, what we need is food for spiritual life. What we need is to be restored to God. And Jesus himself is that compassion of God who provides for us the food that we need in himself. Jesus uh, himself, as he offers up uh, this prayer, you notice that uh, it describes it in detail. It tells us that um, uh, in verse 41, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. I was highlighting his compassion in feeding these people. But those same four verbs, taking, blessing, breaking, giving, will appear later on in Jesus' ministry, at the end of his life. Because on the night before Jesus was betrayed, we are told that Jesus once again took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. Because Jesus was teaching his disciples that he is showing the compassion of God by being the life and the food that we need to live. Jesus would ultimately show God's love by laying down his life in order that we would find life in him by feeding on him by faith. That's why Jesus said that I am the bread of life. That if we find and receive him and his provision, then we have what we need to live and to be sustained. He is the gift of God's compassion and he shows us uh, the Lord's love. So we see in this miracle, not just a miracle of people being fed, what we're seeing is just the compassion of Christ towards needy sinners, to sheep who have gone astray. He teaches them what they need to know, but he feeds them in his grace. The feeding of the uh, bread is picturing ultimately his feeding with his own self as the bread of life. But we see as well not only the compassion of Christ, we see also the contentment in Christ. Notice in verse 42, it says, They all ate and were satisfied, and they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. It tells us that all uh, who would receive of the bread uh, ate to their own fill. They were satisfied. Uh, everyone had enough. They had more than enough because they took up basketfuls after of fragments. There was more than enough provided in and through the Lord Jesus so that everyone was satisfied in the end. And that is highlighted here in this banquet out in the wilderness. Remember last week we looked at how Herod had this great banquet. And when Herod had that banquet, it was only for his elites. It was for the noblemen. It was for the military commanders. It was for the leaders, the influencers. But Jesus is here having a banquet out in the wilderness. But you notice it's not only for the elites. It's for all who stand in need. It's for all who recognize their need. And all who recognize their need in the end were satisfied. He provided for all of them. And so the, the people in the wilderness were all uh, content. But the same is true even of the church itself. All who feed on the Lord Jesus by faith, all who recognize him as the good shepherd, as the living bread that has come down from heaven, 
so that we may eat of him and not die. All who trust in the Lord Jesus have life in him. And again, you think about what Ezekiel is talking about. That in Christ, we have righteousness so that we can be accepted before our shepherd. That in Christ, we see the mercy of God so that we know the way back to God as wandering sheep. If we belong to Christ, then we find strength and courage to live in this world, even when our knees and our legs are weak and feeble, because we know we belong to our good shepherd. You see, Jesus fulfills everything that Ezekiel was talking about when it talks about the son of David that would come. He is the long-awaited shepherd king who gives us the righteousness we need. He gives us the way back to God that we need. He gives us the strength and the courage that we need. And that's why Christians, when they come to believe in Jesus, are satisfied in him. Because he provides for them according to their needs. And so as we think about that, it really comes upon us to think, if we have not yet professed faith in Christ, what is preventing you from believing in Jesus as the good shepherd? He provides, and for all whom he provides, they are satisfied. And if he satisfies them, where else would we look to for our contentment? We're going to be like sheep. And we're either wandering through this world, choosing something apart from the good pasture, the green pastures of God. Or we recognize God's provision in Jesus. And in him, we will be satisfied. And in him... We see God's care and grace to sinners.